listening to the Freewheeling Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey, and we are here to talk about the Tour de France Femme, Avec Zwift, Stage 7. Zwift is not only the title sponsor of the Tour de France Femme, but is also a supporter of this podcast. Thank you so much to Zwift for backing this podcast and women's cycling in general. We really can't thank them enough for everything that they've done for the sport. If you haven't used Zwift in the past, it's an incredible training tool at home. It's super easy. A lot of the professionals racing the Tour de France Femme of Egg Zwift are actually using it as a t- in these heat waves that are going through Europe at the moment because it's easier to do your intervals on the trainer at home. And when you ride Zwift, the time just flies by. They have a ton of workouts on there that you can choose from. If you don't have a coach, you don't need one if you ride Zwift. You can also see a bunch of pros on there. It's really exciting. You can sign on and see who's riding. There's a Canyon Stram has their riders on there every single day after the stages of the Tour de France Femme of Zwift. So if you hop on right after the stage is done or you're riding and watching at the same time, which is one of my favorite things to do, you can actually ride with Cash and Imadoma and Elise Shabby and Tiffany Cromwell after the stage is done. So it's super exciting. A lot of pros are getting behind Zwift for a reason. It's just such a good training tool and they're such an incredible company. So thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode. I highly recommend you check them out if you want to get your fitness up, if you're uh, super strapped for time and you don't have time to go out on a long ride, Zwift is a great option for you. As usual, we got a little bit of in the studio coverage today of the final of the stage. Plus Matt and Amy are on the ground and very exciting. They met up with Lauren Rowney today before the stage. So before Kit and I talk about the stage finale, I am going to hand over the mic to Matt and Amy and Lauren on the ground and you can hear what they had to say. Hello everyone and welcome to Freewheeling. This is Tilda Price in Celestar at the start of stage seven, first day of big climbing. I'm not really meant to be here, so I will hand you over to Amy Jones, Lauren Rowney, and Matt Denis. I don't know who that was. Do you know who that was, Lauren? Some girl with a mouth mask and some cool sunglasses. I don't, a British, another British girl just hanging about, you know. One of these uh, Twitter fam Avec Zwift fans, actually. How nice to see them out. I'm just a huge fan of the podcast. So I just actually won a competition to be here. <laughs> That's amazing. You weren't one of the the people who competed in the what's your, the Watch the Femme Zwift competition in May. That if you rode all four of the Watch the Pros or something like that, the rides. Yeah, exactly. That, was that, that you, was Tilda? That was oh, sorry. Who are you? Uh, what's your name? Tills. 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 Yeah. No relation to the other one. <laughs> But yes, I need to run away now. Nice to see you. Nice Hope you enjoy the race. Have a nice Thank life. You. Have a good life as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, yeah, what a momentous occasion. We have Lauren Rowney here IRL hey. at the race. Yeah, um, I'm here with the whole family today. Baby Harry. I keep calling him a baby, but I actually think he's technically a toddler now that he's a year old. Not sure. And even my dog Frankie and my partner Hannes. Um, I was just saying to Amy a few minutes ago that as soon as I walked into like the area and I just saw the fans and the fan zone and the team buses and everything going on, um, I got really emotional because this is like everything that I actually dreamed of when I was a professional cyclist um, and what we've been sort of fighting for, for women's cycling 
for all these years. So it was really good that as soon as I walked actually into the team area, I saw Maureen DeVries, who used to race back when I was racing, and she's now a journalist, one of the top journalists um, in the Netherlands. And we were just having a good chat about how like this was so special and just the feeling of being here. I had to come and see it in person. Like I couldn't just watch it on TV and not be here. It's it's too special. Yeah, and we're we're actually um, before recording, we're sat right opposite the uh, Next G um, bus camper, whatever is it is, and you're having a chat to uh, Yolene Dora about kind of how far things have come. Yeah, well, Yolene and I were competing against each other way back in 2012, 13. She's actually teammates with my best friend Carly Taylor, so they knew each other really well in the Lotto um, Belgium days. Um, sorry, Lotto Sudal back then. Um, and, you know, Yolene is now in this this DS role with AG Insurance Next Gen. Um, we're just having a chat about how she's actually in the perfect position because this is one of those teams, kind of like what Drops was and has become Lacole Wahoo and will now eventually step up to that World Tour status. She's She's got these developing young riders like she was 10 plus years ago and she gets to kind of work with them and mentor them I think they're the youngest team here and grow with the team almost like she was a writer so she's kind of doing an internship um, in a sense uh, and then working her way up to that world tour status that they're trying to hope for yeah I mean they've currently got the best young rider on their team so they're definitely achieving what they set out to do in developing talent so and you were also talking about how before when you guys were racing there were no radios and now everyone relies on them yeah I mean if I think 10 years ago racing in France it was route to France back then what we're racing now um actually I won a stage in that race um in my first year in Europe and that was really special and I for me at that time that was the Tour de France now like 10 years ago not all the big teams showed up I think maybe 12, 13 years ago your Mariana Vosses and that showed up for this race but um, yeah back then it was absolute chaos I mean you wouldn't see the people like today no radios um, like your limb was saying we had to figure out a lot of things on the road so you had to make decisions um, without going back to the DS the only time you really communicated with the DS was if you went back for bottles you would have a quick chat about the situation and they go okay I'm going to do this but most of the time you you relied on a really good team captain this is something Ina um, Tudenberg was really good at when I was teammates with her Um, and then just your own racecraft yeah it's um it's almost it's it's almost kind of meant that riders don't have that anymore that instinct i think i mean if we look at the world championships it's that one race in the year one really big race where riders don't have um you know this earpiece in their ears and that's when we see sometimes what we would say when we're commentating or podcasting about it, questionable tactics, not quite sure what they're doing, miscommunication in the team or just, I don't know, maybe with race radios, it would be interesting to get Ina's take on this, um, now being a DS, but having been a rider who had virtually, I don't think in her career, really any radios, um, how she feels about it, but you become almost robotic 
because uh, I think Gracie mentioned to us on a previous podcast that the reach now with the radios, so when I had them, they were pretty shit. Like, half the time, you couldn't hear your teammates, you couldn't hear the DS, so you're like, I think they said this, but I think I'm just going to do this. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely changed the dynamic. You don't have to think as much. It's a good thing in respect to, you know, what's coming up in terms of danger or, uh, like, dangerous corners. Um, if there's a situation that's changed on the road, for example, or there's a diversion or there's, yeah, anything related to, to safety. But in terms of tactics... Um, I think I prefer without radios. And, um, yeah, we're just sitting in the, the team bus area, um, looking out on all the fans, walking around, taking a look at the teams, riders riding back and forth from sign-on. But um, meanwhile, Matt's been at the SD Works bus talking to them about the unfortunate loss of Marlon Russo after yesterday's stage. Yeah, so in yesterday's stage, about 20 k's to go, uh, Marlon Russo came down and... We saw she got back on her bike and she finished something like 15 minutes down. But I think initially it's kind of concerning that she got back on her bike, given we found out subsequently that she's had this concussion and is now out of the race. So I just had a chat with Anna van der Breggen, the um, you know, recently former pro, now DS uh, of the team. And she was saying that they had a bit of a look at her when she fell off her bike and that she seemed okay, but it was clear that she'd crashed very hard. Uh but they then just sent her on her way and they then had a doctor at the finish to check her out and then eventually send her to hospital. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like I would have liked them to do a bit more in the moment, given we now know that she's got a concussion and was feeling pretty pretty ordinary afterwards. Um, but I asked the team if they had a doctor here that we could speak to, if the team doctor was at the race and willing to talk and that they were pretty quick to shut the whole thing down. They'd said they they'd put everything they had in the press release and they wouldn't be saying anymore. So... Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, obviously, like other sports that have the potential for concussion have these protocols which, you know, for example, in, like, rugby, you can, like, pause a rugby match to check somebody, yeah. make sure they're okay. But with cycling, it's like, you know, if you, if you take the time to stop and make yeah. sure that someone's okay, the race is, the race is already gone. And I think there's a lot of pressure on teams and on riders to just get back on the bike and go and mm, I think the thing that stands out to me though is that at the start of last year the UCI introduced these new you know, concussion protocols where they've strongly recommended that non-medical staff check out a rider as well so you know a mechanic or a director or other riders themselves should be able to spot the signs of a concussion and you know, if we want to give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess they must have checked her out and they didn't have any immediate signs. She didn't have any immediate signs of concussion and then was sent on her way. But it's always concerning when you find out later that she was concussed and continued on for 20 kilometres and is in a bad enough way that she had to leave the race and needs to recover from it. So Yeah, and I think that's, that's the difficulty with concussion as well is that it isn't always immediately obvious that someone suffered one. And, yeah, it... Yeah, and it's also... Knowing Marlin, she would have been like, put me on my bike. Knowing any rider. Yeah. (laughs) Put me back on my bike. I've got a job to do. I'm going to get to the finish. And even um, I had a chat with Nicole Frame um, just a few minutes ago. And she said, like, with the adrenaline of her big crash, she didn't realize actually how hard she'd hit the ground. It was just like, get to the finish line. And like with Marlin Rusa, she's such an integral 
part of that team. She would have played a huge role today um, and it would be devastating that she has to sit out the stage. But yeah, the, the thing with concussion is I feel like we are doing better in general, but it's team by team, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the, the problem is in a stage race especially is that you have to finish the stage to get onto the next one. So you kind of like, even if you're not sure, you know, oh, maybe I am concussed or maybe I've broken something. You know, for example, we had after stage five with that big pile-up, Myeline um, Van Gillow from Lakol Wahoo, she finished with broken ribs. And I, th- like, you know, people just... Riders are just full, yeah, like you say, full of adrenaline. They want to finish the stage because they want to start the next one if they can. And so, yeah, it, to be honest, you can't you can't leave it up to the riders to make that decision. I think another thing that stands out to me is that she finished 15 minutes down. So, what was another five minutes going to change? Really, I mean, you don't know that in the moment. I guess that she's going to finish 15 minutes down. But if she's that banged up, which they said that she was, then. Why not take the time to just really make sure? And again, we don't know all information. They're not saying that much. Um, so maybe they did have a good look at her and decide there are no symptoms there. She carried on. But yeah, it's certainly a concerning story. That's for sure. Yeah, as we just watched like riders rolling towards sign-on and a few of them have got various bandages and dressings on them from the crashes that have happened. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely a lot more to be done when it comes to concussion in this sport. And yeah, so we're not long, it's not long before the stage starts. Um, what have we got on the menu today? What haven't we got on the menu? Today is the, Abby Mickey must be doing a little dance in her living room with Layla. Uh, the first big mountain stage uh, that we've all been waiting for. This is like where we're expecting, <laughs> my dog is just trying to draw my baby's attention. Um, and he, I think he's after that plastic bottle. He is, isn't he? No, no, Frankie. Um, you made me lose my train of thought. Edit this out. No, don't. Dog. (laughs) Mountains. Mountains, mountains. Um, I believe we've got three mountains today, um, two of which come in pretty quick succession. So, I mean, this is the day that we've been talking about for... I don't know, a year since they announced the courses, since October last year, pretty much. Like, will this be the day where Annemiek van Vluten, you know, gets her two to three minutes on the rest of the peloton? Based on what we've seen, I don't know. I think there's a big question mark now about what we're going to see today. There's going to be the usual suspects that we were always predicting to be up there around about the mark. But for me, Demi Vollering, not sure how she's going to perform today. Annemiek van Vluden, still not 100%. I can't actually hedge my bets on anyone. Can you? I think it's... I was just saying yesterday that Demi's been really quiet. Um, And I don't know if that's a good or a bad sign. I think it's more of a good sign. I think she's quietly been just, you know, getting through the stages, waiting for time, which is now. Um, Annemiek, obviously, like, she wasn't well um, earlier in the race. But the thing that's scary is that... She wasn't well, and yet there she was, only losing, you know, very little time. Um, And yesterday, after the stage, she was looking pretty sprightly. So... I think this is the thing we forget with Annemiek, is when she's on form, she's so dominating that as soon as you've seen a slight sign of weakness, it's like, oh, she's not good. Not taking into 
account the fact that if you've got stomach problems, well, that's going to sap a lot of your energy. And yeah, she was still mixing it up with the best riders in the world. So that's true. I'm hoping just to see it absolutely get lit up um, today. I don't know if they're already going to take the initiative on the first climb because the the last two are, are going to be pretty hectic. Um, I'll be standing on the last climb somewhere up there, so this will come out after the fact, but uh, look out for me there. Um, so my race prediction, I guess, today will be for, for Anamique. It's a safe bet. Yeah, I think it is. Yesterday, um, if anyone has listened to the mini-pod, which will have already gone out by now, with Irish Slappendal, I spoke to her after the stage, and she was she didn't even miss a beat when I asked her who, who she thought was going to win GC. She was just like, Annemiek van Lutten. I said it from the start. Like, it's definitely her. What about... Um, Cassie Nuyadoma, we've seen her being really aggressive this race. It's It's been a while since we've seen Cassia really perform really well on a long, long climb, right? Multiple long climbs. But is that because we don't really have that many races with them in it? Yeah, that would probably be why. I mean, I'm trying to think, was she racing in the, the May races or she's out? I mean, the thing is, this year she was hit pretty hard by COVID and it's taken Cassia a really long time to recover. Um, when I saw her in May in Girona, she was still feeling the effects of it. So looks like she's back to her usual self, but it will be a real test. And like you say, Amy, we don't get to see these real mountain stages with the women. So we've had a little bit of a taste at Tour of Swiss, and I'm sure there's going to be more to come on the women's calendar. But um, I wouldn't pick her for the win. But if the descents are a decisive point in the race, then I would say her and Elisa Longoborghini could be right up there. Yeah, Lisa Longoborghini is also looking... Uh, as long as she doesn't make a wrong turn today, <laughs> I think she's also definitely up there. Um, and also, what about this kind of dual leadership approach from SD Works with Ashley Moorman as well? I'd almost forgotten about that. Um, how could you? Yeah, interesting one. I like your take on Demi and the fact that she's been quieter I mean Ashley obviously got up there for that podium on a more puncher sort of stage which is completely different to what we are going to see today Ashley is a climber though that that is this is her domain this is what she does well and she's over the years she's always featured in the Giro in these sorts of stages um and she had a fantastic Giro I think it was last year right um where she was climbing I think her best in her whole career so it will be interesting. I mean, we've spoken about this. SD Works did say they were all in for Demi. Um, Demi's gotten through the race. She's in good health today, so I don't see why they would change that plan. For what it's worth, I just walked past Demi before at the SD Works bus, and she was looking very, very relaxed. So it's got to be a good sign. Dangerous. Well, they've got a nice, a nice run into the hard part of the race today. You know, it's pretty flat. Probably going to let a break go up the road. Um... I don't think we're seeing any riders really warming up on the trainers, which means that they're just going to take the first part of the race easy and then really get get stuck into it. Yeah, that's a really good observation, actually. How hard do you think Voss is going to fight today to try and stay in yellow as long as she can? Uh, sure, it's Voss. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll throw down everything. And, like, I mean, on Jumbo Visma, they don't actually have... Um, they don't have a GC contender, I would say. They're, they're not going to be in the top three on GC that they actually don't have um, a rider so why not just give it everything I mean Voss 
has won the Giro twice, and I think there was a bit of talk um, on the Belgian commentary, like, could she could she do it again? Could we see the Voss of nine, ten years ago? I don't think so, not the way that these other climbers are climbing now. She She's a different sort of rider. I mean, she can win the Cyclocross World Championships, right? Um, she will fight tooth and nail, but I think we're going to see Voss standing in the, the green jersey at the end of the tour, and for me, that's a fantastic result, thing yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean, they said they came here for stage wins, and obviously that she was targeting the green jersey, not, no matter what she said at the beginning. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, back in the day she won the Giro. I think it's a very different landscape in women's cycling now. It's a very different peloton. And as much as she will, like you say, fight for the yellow jersey, I don't think we'll see her wearing it at the end of the day. Just one more thought on Anna really quickly. I do think she's probably the favourite for today and still for the race overall. But the fact that she is more than a minute behind the other GC favourites actually puts this race in a really interesting spot coming into the mountains. If she was on the same time, then it would feel a lot more almost like a done deal almost but now at least she's got to make up some ground so that will mean that she's hopefully on the attack earlier or anyway i think it's going to be very interesting scared to to go from almost the gun right do you remember worlds a few years ago yeah that just will always forever be uh i think embedded in our memories it was just a freakish uh performance but um yeah like you said matt she she's over a minute down right so i think that she won't be afraid to go on the first climb and like wheedle out all the the teammates so she's just got her actual competitors left and then just do what she does best and just keep turning that that knob and just making it harder and harder and harder until no one can hold on yeah yeah i think we've we've come we've become used to like a certain inevitability behind anamique's performances on climbs on like in races and just kind of not resign ourselves that sounds negative but we just expect her to just take minutes on her rivals and yeah like you say Matt the fact that she is a minute down it just makes the race much more exciting and unpredictable and and the fact that she's coming back from illness as well like obviously we don't want her to be sick and that's you know no one would wish that on her but it does add an interesting wrinkle to it you know how well has she recovered as we talked about before so there are some question marks today and I think it's going to be very interesting to watch yeah it's going to be a great stage um so yeah i guess we'll you'll hear from us again when it's all done and dusted and we know the answer to all these questions bye all right so kit and i are here we're watching the final well final kilometer we're into the final kilometer with anami van vluten although the rest of the peloton still has quite a ways to go (laughs) uh kit what are we looking at uh, uh, well, I mean, I suppose we shouldn't really be surprised by what we're looking at, um, but we're looking at Van Vluten completely ripping up the race in, in the way that she does with a massive solo attack that we didn't get to see. Um, and then I think there's only one rider within five minutes at last count. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Anouk Van Vluten and Demi Vollering attacked on the early slopes of the first climb of the day. And the Petite Boyan, I believe, is the correct pronunciation, but that could be wrong. Um, They attacked on the bottom of it. We didn't get to see it. The live coverage didn't start until they were on the second climb. And pretty soon after the live coverage started, Anamique dropped Vollering, and she's been riding solo for about 60 kilometers now. It was it was close for a little while there, but um, as of now, she's got three plus minutes on following. So that's pretty much... Look at her smile, though. She's stoked. Okay, so 
like we said, you know, it wouldn't be the Tour de France without uh, without Voss in the yellow jersey. It's kind of the same can kind of be said of Van Vluten. Like uh, she's one of the best in the world. So we did we did know this was going to happen. Um, I wish we'd been able to see the exciting part because basically all we've seen now is Anamique riding solo and uh, groups behind her just basically splintering and a lot of shots of the yellow jersey group um, waving at fans because they're just trying to make time cut, those those guys. <laughs> and they'll probably still be crawling crawling home after we finish recording. It's Matt is going to write a piece on the time cut because it's only 18%, so it'll be 40-ish yeah. minutes after... Um, after Van Vluten and that's, there's definitely riders in the race who will struggle to make that time cut. I mean, it's not, it's not something that, you know, it's, it's not always the best gauge, but was it the Grand Ballon in the middle the, or the, the middle climb where she, Van Vluten broke the Strava record by over three minutes, hmm. um, which is bonkers. I mean, it's not, so it's not the tourmalet, you know, it's not, it's not the biggest climb in the world as in for the number of people who've done it, but it's just ridiculous. You can't do anything, but yeah. I mean, I'm just sat here shaking my head with a slightly bemused smile on my face because <laughs> that's how it feels. I mean, she, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, she's incredible. Yeah. This was an incredible Absolutely. ride, but it's also like. I feel like it's not surprising at all. So it's maybe we're like, we're a little numb to it because we've seen her do this before. But yeah, if you put the the numbers in front, like I, I'm super curious to see what kind of stats and stuff come out on Twitter after the stage. Cause for sure she's broken a lot of Strava records mm -hmm. today. <laughs> um, but yeah, behind her in the beginning, there was a group of chasers that was Cashini Madoma, Cecilia Trip Ludwig. Actually, FDJ had three with Avita Music and um, Grace Brown in there as well. Elisa Longo Borghini, Sylvia Persico, who I want to talk about a little bit, Erska Ziegert, who's having an incredible ride today, Juliette Labou, and uh, Mavi Garcia. So it's kind of everybody except for Erska was the only one who was a, who I was surprised by. But everyone that we would have expected to see in that group. And Elise Longaborghini went off on a solo mission to try to bridge to Demi and Van Vluten, which failed. And she got caught by basically three riders, Kasia, Labu, and um, Sile, and caught and passed. So she's, she's dropped way back now at this point. Um, and those three are fighting for third. Here comes Vollering into the finish. Two minutes 47, it'll be way more than that when she crosses the line. It's actually going to be way more than they were telling us it was on the climb, though. I mean, way less than they were telling us it was on the climb. So it was almost four minutes. I think a lot of the um, the time gaps that we were getting mm -hmm. during the race were off. Yeah. Um, it seemed like. Yeah, it's going to be about three and a half minutes. It's, it, I mean, it's such a bummer we didn't get to actually see the attack because I'm super curious where Ashley Momopasio is. Yeah. She was riding so well in the beginning of this race and she was, she said herself that she was going for the general classification, even if her team was going for Vollering. So I wonder what happened to her and why she wasn't even in that group of chasers. Yeah, I, I think the last we heard of her was, again, before it started and Iris was... Uh, just in front of the group that she was third group on the road. So that was at about the same time that 
revolutionary attack. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that happened and, and whether it was a lot of relentless attacks that just completely shredded the group and that, you know, Mumu Pasi might have been involved or whether she's just on a bad day. Yeah. I was kind of hopeful for her. I mean, because we, we, it's interesting with Van Vluten because we've been hearing these, I don't know if you want to call them optimistic or pessimistic, oh, she might be sick, she's recovering, she's it's that sort of thing that you quite often hear in cycling. It's like measuring expectations or something, but um, mm-hmm. clearly that's none of that's factored today. Um, but yeah, you know. it's She's a very polarizing figure, Van Vluten. People either love her or they're, they're not fans. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and the people who love her, like love her fiercely. Um, but this is, you know, I really want your take because this is such an interesting <laughs> stage. It's the most, it's one of the hardest stages that we've ever had in a women's, uh, stage race with so much climbing. And, uh, we, we will be able to see the damage when the stage is truly done and the groups coming in, how far they are apart. But, Everybody was like, oh, is the gravel stage really necessary? Do we need to have gravel in the, in the Tour de France? Like, do I don't think that it should be here because it's too much of luck, blah, 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 which I would argue I'm all for the gravel. I'd like it on the record. <laughs> I think, yay, gravel, to like as long as it's safe. But do we really need this? Like, do we really need these massive mm. mountains? I know it's part of history in cycling, but... I am not convinced that it's really necessary. And I think when we see the, when we see how the race plays out, I mean, there's no way barring some kind of incident tomorrow, Van Vluten is going to win probably the stage tomorrow and the Mm -hmm. general classification by minutes. Yeah. Many minutes. It's interesting. I I mean, I, this sort of stage is one of my favorite kinds of profiles in a, in men's racing. And so, like we had at this Tour de France, but it's very different. I mean, it, uh, it's, it, it, I think it plays into the discussion of, uh, the women's peloton borrowing from the men's peloton or from the men's schedule. And that idea that women don't do stages that are as long, they don't do races that are as long, they don't do as many mountains and that sort of thing. But it, I, I, it's something that I could see happening in the future and being much more like we might have wanted to see today. But you, if you've got riders like Van Vluten, I mean, because we saw only FDJ had any teammates. Um, mm-hmm. It was all, it was everyone for themselves. And that, that's the difference. If you watch, uh, when, you know, when you've got eight riders to a team and there, and uh, you don't have two people looking after a sprinter and only two people looking after a climber as in women's racing, it's not it, it, it there are only very there are so few people who can actually compete and when one of them is van Vluten, no one stands a chance um and yeah i mean it sounded like there was a lot of teams that tried to put riders up the road to be yeah. there later in the stage but there was a group of 33 that yeah. went early in the stage but movistar really kept it kept it together and i mean they only had to do that for yeah. 60k because by after that she was off the front so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, but I mean, this it's the specialization conversation. Yeah. Like there isn't, there's no, she's the only, she's not a pure climber, but she's the only like thing that we have that's kind of close to that in the Peloton. And as 
more races like today are introduced to the women, there will be more riders who will be able to compete. Yeah. But right yeah. now, because the depth, there's not enough enough depth in the women's peloton for a race like this. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Van Bluten, but a lot of respect for her. And she's obviously, I mean, talk about passion in sport and you can't be a professional cyclist and not be passionate about cycling, but Van Bluten just seems to be, I don't know. The commentators use the word alien a lot today, which um, <laughs> is interesting. But no, I mean, I've always, I was always very, I don't know. I always respected her kind of going to go play with the boys thing, which speaks to me. <laughs> as uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of hers, but, and she's obviously succeeded in doing something incredible again. And at 39 too. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's just it's it like you say there isn't the depth. We need lots of amplitudes for a stage like today to work. Yeah, or if even if it'd been like a little bit shorter. Yeah, or, or two climbs instead of three. Or yeah, like what if it had ended on that flat section after the second climb, for example? Yeah. Um, then it would have been a way different race, I think. Um, probably the same and the same result, yeah. but just the time gaps would be closer together, which would mean that. Tomorrow on the final stage, um, there would be more opportunity to to take the jersey. More people would have a shot. And it's not really what we're looking at, which, like, to be fair, an incredible display of athleticism, yep. which is which is what sport is, right? Yep. And so in that sense, we got a show today. Is there really that much more to say? I mean, Amy and Matt got a ton of coverage yeah. on the ground today. No, Lila is also upset about the yeah. stage. <laughs> oh, Nuri Dunn was only just coming across the line. That's a surprise. Or no, that can't be. Oh, that's a Polina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who actually, I would have thought that she would have had, like Ashley Mumpasio, I would have thought that she would have had a much better day today. I'm surprised that she's finishing almost 10 minutes down. Well, 10 minutes down when she crosses the yeah. line. Um. So yeah, let's throw it to Matt and Amy on the ground for some rider talk. top of the final climb um, which the riders actually are now just about to come down past the finish line the other way um, after climbing the what is the climb called? It's a good question. The Caldeplatz of was something. Anyway Annemiek van Vluten's now got a large gap. It's roughly a minute already over Demi Vollering. Yeah, and about four and a half minutes to Elisa Longo-Wargini and more than five minutes, almost six minutes to another six riders that are chasing. She's just come past us, um, descending, and we're still waiting for Demi Vollering to come. I think she's just about to come past us now. Here she is. So I don't know if you noticed there, but where Van Vluten was very kind of stony faced very relaxed looking focused but relaxed Demi was giving it absolutely everything there she looked much more in the hurt box yeah she had the tongue out she was uh, yeah looking pretty determined to catch Van Vluten but I'm actually quite surprised that um, Van Vluten's managed to distance Vollering already by that much because you know we saw Vollering coming into this race was preparing exclusively for this race she hasn't been on a start line 
since months, right? Yeah, and you Skip know she's the reconned these these climbs multiple times. She lives nearby in Basel. Um, I expected her to be coming into this race absolutely flying. Yeah, we saw the two of them go away very early on the first climb, and we, we talked before the stage about how we thought these two are probably the best climbers in the race or the best chances to win the race overall. But I don't think we expected them to go that early, right? No, it was pretty early, and I can only imagine. Obviously, we, we didn't see because there wasn't TV coverage yet at that point, but I can only imagine that it was Van Vleuten who instigated it. So we're still waiting now for Lisa Longo Borghini, who'll be on her own chasing through. And the riders go through and do a big lap of about 50Ks and then finish up on the Markstein. Here where we are on a different climb from the other side on the Grand Ballon. So. Atmosphere is pretty amazing, isn't it? Great turnout. Yeah, as we were driving up um, the, cl- the climb on the other side, there was just cars parked like all along the side of the road, people riding up, people walking up. And yeah, the finish area is packed again. Um, so yeah, it just shows if you put on the show, they'll come. How many people would you estimate are here today? I am the wrong person to ask because I am terrible at maths and anything to do with numbers. So for me, in my... Mathematically challenged brain, it could be anywhere between 100 and 1,000 people. <laughs> what would you say? I'd say probably more than 1,000, I reckon. It's a pretty good turnout. There's probably, yeah, well over 1,000, I'd say, even just in this area. And I imagine there's people around the corner as well, based on what we saw walking up. It's a lot of people. Decked out in their polka dot T-shirts. Sponsor correct. I guess that's the good thing about having... A final circuit and them coming through the finish line twice is that it adds extra reason to come up here you get to see the riders twice rather than coming all the way up just for a single visit so yeah we're still waiting for for longo borghini's compass but behind her um a further what is it two minutes no a minute and 10 seconds back is a group of five riders six riders sorry that contains like basically the rest of the GC favourites barring actually uh, Ashley Moore and Passio um, so we've got Sesuch Ludwig Evita Music Juliette Labou Cassia Niradoma um, actually Erska he got very impressive uh, from her for Bike Exchange I think from Bike Exchange we probably would have expected Kristen Faulkner to be in there but great great climbing from her and Sylvia Persico from Valcar who's also climbing well by the looks of it and the bunch is 11 minutes and 6 seconds down on Van Vluten at the minute. And this looks like it's Elisa Longobogini coming through now chasing on her own at around about 5 minutes behind Van Vluten. She was looking more composed than Vollerin there. That's I think true. With a stage like this and then what's coming up the next day as well, I think some riders are kind of having to just ride within themselves. The attacks happened so early today and the race got split up so early that, you know, if you're going to be following Van Vluten and Vollering early, you're going to blow up. So, I mean, we saw that already, but they also need to just pace themselves to the finish now. And yeah, there is still how far to go. More than 50 kilometers still to race. And a good chunk of that is a steep climb to the finish. So, yeah, this, this stage is far from over. But unfortunately, it looks like we've kind of got the GC podium already sorted out, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a shame that it wasn't um, a tighter race because we've had a really interesting GC battle going on on previous stages and it was quite tight going into this and Van Vleuten was already a minute down and yeah. 
that's the chase group of six just coming through the start of the finish line now to start their final lap. Cassian Uedema was leading, uh, getting aero on Big the front of the bike. Yeah. <laughs> Even though she had her jersey unzipped and flapping around before. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, that's basically the race, isn't it, today now? like. Mariana Voss is in the big peloton that's about another five minutes behind. So her time in yellow is over, as we expected. The other thing to talk about with the, today's stage is that the time cut is really quite savage. Like, it's 18%. 18% of the winner's time. So based on the projections that we've seen, it looks like it could be around 40 to 45 minutes, which on a stage with three big mountain climbs and where the race was on from the very first of those climbs... That's going to be no joke for a bunch of riders, I think. Yeah, maybe that's what Lorena Weber saw before she pulled out this morning. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot of point for her to continue on. She's got her wins. Um, she wasn't going to win the green jersey, so yeah, save your legs. Yeah, I guess we'll be back sometime after the finish once the dust has settled on this explosive stage. The Tour de France femme ends on the super planche des belles filles. And that has nothing to do with pretty girls, but all with the old local language indicating it was a place covered in nice beech trees. Lieu peuplé des belles failles. Belles failles then morphed into belles filles, which also suited the legend that is now attached to it. And this is that legend as written by the tourist board of the region a couple of years ago. And I've told the story before, so if you're a loyal listener, Thanks for listening, but you might have heard it before. The story is set during the Thirty Years' War between 1618 and 1648, and this was one of the many wars between Catholics and Protestants in those days. The intervention of the Swedish army in France took place between 1630 and 1635, and so does our legend. A long time ago, not far from the Chateau de Passavant, lived an old family of farmers who, whose daughter, Inez, was remarkably beautiful. She also excelled in the humblest of job, jobs and spun wool like no other. One morning, the village was in great turmoil. The Swedish soldiers were approaching Plongeba by spreading terror. The soldiers had a horrible reputation. Looting, massacres, rape, fire, nothing was spared the inhabitants in its path. They can pierce my body with a sword, but they will not touch my wife nor my daughter, said Ines' father when the Swedish soldiers approached their little village. And all the men in the village affirmed their resolution to resist as long as possible. Ines listened in silence to everyone's words and admired everyone's courage. But she felt the best way to escape the barbarians was to hide. Up the mountain, much higher than the village, was a pond surrounded by centuries-old great oaks. The Swedes would never discover that hiding place, Ines thought. She gathered all the young women and said to them, Come, my sisters, we will be safe in this refuge while waiting for the soldiers to move on. The young girls followed Ines because they knew her as a wise girl. They put on their prettiest white dresses and braided their hair and then went up the mountain to the pond, holding hands and singing a hymn. Suddenly the bells toiled in the village. The Swedish soldiers were coming. Cries, howls, the winning of horses and dull shocks could be heard while the soldiers attacked the farms. Ines remained hopeful that the soldiers would not come to the pond high in the mountains. But sadly, the noises drew closer and closer until she saw a troop of soldiers on horseback appear through the trees. 
the Swedish captain was captivated by the beauty of Ines. She thought he looked like a god. The captain halted and gazed at the young girl and he was speechless with wonder. In that one brief look, there was a moment of love between the two and the captain gestured to his company to stop and pardon the young women. But it was too late. The screaming soldiers were already rushing wildly towards their prey and the distraught young girls had crowded around Ines who, setting an example, threw herself into the dark waters of the pond to escape the unleashed brutes. And the other girls imitated her without hesitation. The captain immediately rushed to save Ines, but when he managed to pull her out of the water, she had already died. In complete despair, he placed a kiss on her forehead and picked a white forest flower and laid it in her hands. And finally, he took a piece of wood and his dagger and carved in the wood was an epitaph for Ines and her unfortunate companions. Nowadays, there's a statue on the top of La Planche de Belleville as a memory to the legend. But I'm glad to say the women's peloton is nothing like the damsels in distress from the legend. They showed this week they are strong and smart, skillful, funny, and just completely awesome. And this first Tour de France Femmevic Swift is only the beginning. Well, I hope to see you next year for more hors course on the Tour de France homme et femme. I'm off now to do more cheese research. Yeah, it's a tough job but somebody has got to do it. For now, au revoir et à la prochaine. Hello, we are here driving away from the finish line. We've just come down the climb and we're headed back to our hotel after a very eventful day. Here we are. We're actually in a convoy now at the moment with a bunch of the race vehicles, the big trucks and buses that make up part of the technical zone at the finish. So it's been slow going off the mountain, but I think it would have been a lot slower if we'd left right after the stage. We're probably three hours. Be, yeah, yeah we're three or four hours after the stage now, um, having worked at the top for a little bit. So it's quietened down a bit. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a day. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> the GC started the day pretty close. We weren't sure. I mean, was it expected what happened today? I think we all expected Van Vluten to go on the attack and we probably expected her to attack a decent way out, but I'm not sure we would have thought that she'd go at the bottom of the first climb with... Like 100 k's to go. 60 k's to go. Well, she was alone from 60 k's to go, wasn't she? Oh yeah, but sorry, her, she attacked. Yeah. Her and Vollering got away with, yeah, more than that. Um, and then yeah, Van Vluten was on her own with still 60 k's and a mountain and a half to go, and just really tore it apart. Yeah, I was watching when she attacked Demi, and. I was sort of watching Demi and thinking, okay, maybe she's not going with her because she's just riding this climb at her own pace and she's decided to not follow the move. And then the gap just kept getting bigger <laughs> and bigger and bigger until it reached over three minutes at the finish yeah. line. Yeah, three and a half minutes by the line and then a much bigger gap from Van Vluten to you know the riders that came in third, fourth, fifth... And then just basically an explosion of the peloton from there from there out. Yeah, it wasn't just Demi Vollerin's legs that Van Vleten ripped off. She kind of just 
decimated, or this stage, in fact, not just her, decimated the entire peloton. As a driver pulls out in front of us. I know. Much, was... much too dangerously than they should have. Um, <laughs> yeah, at the finish line, it was just carnage, really. No other way to describe it. Just riders lying down, sitting down, in tears, you know. It's just, yeah, a lot of riders in a lot of difficulty having given everything just to, in some cases, just finish the stage, you know, inside the time cut or even outside the time cut. In some cases, trying to fight for the podium or just trying to get through as quick as they could. Um, yeah, it seemed like everybody but Van Vluten had a really, really hard day out there and we saw people like Kasia Niwadoma coming across the line just caked in salt um, and needing help to stand up over a bike at the finish to give interviews or Alyssa Longo-Borghini in tears against the barriers and then when she stood up she needed a soigneur to kind of hold her because she was looking really lightheaded and faint and it was yeah quite uh, quite a scene there at the finish that played out over about 45 minutes as we waited to see who would make the time cut and who wouldn't yeah and if you want to read a bit more about that Matt's been written a really great piece on the website cyclingtips.com what a great website um so yeah head on over there to to read a more in-depth kind of um portrayal of what it was like hanging around loitering about at the finish as I was and you were as well um yeah I I think everybody found it really really hard except Van Vluten she didn't look that ruffled when she crossed the no, line no no she just yeah, even Vollering who was in second at three and a half minutes she's coming across the line you know clutching her her quadricep obviously cramping up quite badly and, and just in a bad way generally and Van Vluten just I don't know just looked like she's out for a training ride more or less just over a couple of mountains and we just kind of got to watch along you know she did her training ride yeah, it looked like a brutal day out there. Um, shall we hear from some of the riders who are sending in rider diaries and see how they fared on this day out in the mountains? Yeah, today was insanely tough. Um, it was pretty full gas from the start, um, pretty lined up out. Um, yeah, full gas. And then there was a large split of 30 or so people up ahead. Um, and that was right before the 39K mark, um, right uh, before the start of the Petit Ballon, um, which broke everything up completely. Um, that's where Annemiek and Dani laid down the hammer. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's kind of where the whole race exploded. I definitely exploded there. Um, so found a group that I was um, riding with the rest of the race. Um, and yeah, super tough day out. Um, and back again tomorrow, uh, finishing up the Super Planche de Belfi. Um, yeah, my teammates and I were just talking at dinner about how fast this tour has gone by, although racing the, at the Champs-Élysées seemed like forever ago, but it all seemed so fast at the same time. Um, but it's been an amazing experience so far and um, hoping to cap it off with a solid uh, finish tomorrow. Um, 
yeah, again, like I have been saying <clears throat> every day, um, the crowds and spectators were absolutely amazing. Um, going up the climbs, people having blasting music and partying up on the um, mountainside, um, knowing that they had been up there for several hours, just waiting for us to pass through. So um, amazing to have people out there um, cheering everybody on. Um, yeah, excited for tomorrow to see what happens. Um, of course, Annemiek did her thing and laid down the hammer and showed everyone who's boss. <laughs> um, but hoping she can have a run for her money tomorrow um, just to make things more fun. <laughs> All right, thanks. Okay, stage seven done. I'm here in the car with Hannah Barnes and of course, Anna Dorde. Hello. <laughs> we, I, I feel absolutely shattered, but we live to see another day in the Tour de France film, avec Swift. And I fucking survived the time limit, guys. I was so close, but barely made it. Or I mean, I made it, but I barely made it. <laughs> but yeah, hard day. But yeah, six riders on the start line tomorrow, which is very good. Very happy. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Gruppetto riders almost deserve a medal. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I'm... My day was almost as hard as the uh, girls up front. Pretty tough day. Everyone were a little bit stressed about the time limit, but then in the valley we were doing a big, big, big echelon. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was nice. Um, but now we just need to eat a lot of food. I don't know, maybe my Sonia can give me like super legs extra power for tomorrow one last day yeah what a day it was uh, another incredible day um, I think the only positive thing in being in the Gruppetto is that you can really really share a lot with the public and the public was just amazing today I think we, we never had as many people as this in any climbs of any races it's just unbelievable all those kids with the big smile and kids cheering and it's, it's just crazy you know and and the kilometers just go flying when people are cheering for you so yeah um i tried to form a nice gruppetto from the first climb where i had to uh pull before to bring elisa and shirin in the best place at the bottom of the petit ballon and uh after that, I was probably the last of the race and I was just, you know, catching one by one the riders and trying to uh, involve them with me to, to do a gruppetto, which uh, we did. And we were a really nice group with everyone really participating and uh, really enjoyed it, actually. Uh, I enjoyed less the parkour because it was super, super hard. Um, one of the hardest stages I've been doing in my life. Um, so yeah, I mean, just a mountain stage in the Tour de France, something amazing, something we were really waiting for. Me as a non-climber, I was really hoping to, to get the public and to just, yeah, cheer and to just, uh, share a lot with them. And it's what I did. So it's a kind of satisfaction, I have to say. Here we go. Uh, nice dinner now. Uh, pretty late, as always, but the tour is flying and we are uh, going.
going to the last day. Yeah, so as we kind of said, Annemiek van Vluten just ripped the race apart today and much like she did in the Giro just a few weeks ago, in fact, and that means that the GC has gone from being a pretty close competition at the start of the day to massive gaps, chasms between <laughs> her and the rest of the riders in the peloton. Yeah, um, minutes. You know, we said at the start of the day that with Van Vluten a minute or so behind on GC because of, you know, the illness that she had and all that sort of thing, that the race was quite intriguingly poised for today. But as you say, by the end of the penultimate stage, we're looking at time gaps that we'd see at the end of the Giro with, yeah, very big gaps between the riders. So why don't you hit us with some numbers? Yeah, so obviously, you know, Marina Voss started the day in the yellow jersey. She is now 23 minutes and 29 seconds down on Van Vluten, which we didn't expect her to be with the best climbers today. We knew that she was going to lose the yellow jersey, but that's still quite a big gap. Um, in second place, we now have Vollering, of course, uh, but she's still three minutes and 14 seconds down on Van Vluten. Cassia Nuvianoma uh, has gone from second place to third place. Um, she's now four minutes and 33 seconds behind Van Vluten. Um, and then you've got Juliette Labou, five minutes and 22 down. Cecilia Ludwig moved up four places. She's now five minutes and 59 down. Uh, Sylvia Pasico, who started the day in third, is now sixth at six minutes and 11 seconds. Elisa Longo Borghini, who went on a bit of a strange little rampage today. Well, she set off in, in pursuit of Vollering and Ben Vluten on the first climb, and it looked like she was going to be able to finish third, having been out there for most of the day on her own. She described it later as a 100K time trial, um, but she cracked on the last climb uh, and ended up finishing a you know, ways back. Yeah, it was an interesting move because she attacked the group. You know, with she attacked them on the second climb, which straight after came a descent and then a valley, a flat valley road. And as a, on her, obviously Van Vliet and Vollering were, were way up the road at that point. She was, I think, about four minutes behind them at that point or something like that. And she wasn't really going to gain on them, but there was a group of about six riders behind, I think it was, who obviously working together and in a group were A, conserving energy and B, probably moving faster than her and Cassia Nuvidoma said actually after the race that she saw Elisa go and she thought that's going to be a hard day out for her yeah and Elisa said at the finish that it was the valley that killed her in the end that she was just out there on her own and just had to give or put so much energy into that particular section of the course that by the time that the final climb arrived she she was rock climbing as she described it so <laughs> uh yeah she ended up being caught by that six rider group or what was left of it spat out the back and then yeah dropped a bunch of time I was rock climbing she's got such a good turn of phrase um, anyway well that didn't really get her very far on the GC she's now moved down three places into seventh she is uh, six minutes and 15 seconds behind um, 
Anamique now. Um, Evita Musique from FDJ had a really good ride today in that group. She's moved up four places to eighth. She but eighth place is 10 minutes and 13 seconds down. Punch. She was sat on the ground with a vacant look in her eyes as well. I saw her. Um, Where did Erska Zigart end up? Because she was excellent today. She had a great ride. She said after the finish that she showed the world that she's got great climbing legs and she felt embarrassed that she couldn't ride in that chase group because she had Kristen Faulkner behind and she wasn't allowed to ride. But obviously she's prepared well for this race and uh, that bodes very well for her future as a climber, I think. Uh, Yeah, it'd be really great to to see her be able to kind of target this kind of race for herself in the future because just by climbing so well today she's moved up 43 places on GC I mean she's still she's in 46 with 36 she's 36 minutes down so obviously nothing to write home about in the sense of where she is on GC but just in terms of that showing that she can kind of you know kick it with that kind of caliber of rider is Yeah. yeah I can see why she says that it gives her confidence. And one of the, I mean, for whatever, whatever it's worth, uh, she was one of the riders at the finish that looked the least like she was completely empty. She was still exhausted, but... She was well, stood up. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Where others were kind of on the ground and, you know, gasping for air, she was up and about and looking happy with how she rode. She said she felt really good. So, yeah, that bodes very well for her future. Yeah, it was interesting to kind of see the riders who were who seemed pleased with their rides today and others who were either just kind of shells because of how hard the day was but also potentially quite disappointed with the way the race had played out uh Cecilia Ludwig was one of them interestingly because she has moved up on GC she's moved up four places um but she was not her usual effusive self at the finish. She sounded very kind of flat, almost um, a bit disheartened almost. And I'm not sure whether that's just kind of, to be honest, I can imagine the rest of the GC riders in the peloton having this sense of like just deflatedness, if that's a word. Um, it's very, it's been a long week. Um, at the fact that like, how do you beat Van Vluten? Yeah, I suspect that's probably what it was, that combined with just sheer exhaustion at having chased all day long to try and minimise those losses. But as you said, I guess I should be satisfied with today. I gave everything I could and that's all you can do. And she should be satisfied, you know. She said that that's all she could do and she moved up in the GSC as a result of that. So there's lots to take from it. But you're right. I mean, what what can you do when somebody like Van Vluten sets off that early in the race and you're just on the back foot from the start? It's, it is deflating for the riders, I'm sure. And, you know, without being too negative about it, it's, it's deflating as well as a viewer a little bit. You know, we wanted to see a tight battle for the GC and it was that until this point. And, uh, you know, hats off to Van Vluten. That was an incredible ride today. But... Um, yeah, the feeling is one of deflation a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. And I think, to be honest, one of the things that it highlights is that there is still that lack of depth in the peloton a little bit. I think, you know, because one, one of the only ways to beat such a dominant, like, ri- single rider is with really strong teamwork. And, you know, 
there just aren't that many riders maybe there isn't that much depth within teams for them to have multiple riders helping their GC yeah. favourites on climbs like this. Yeah, and on paper you would have thought that SD Works would be the best chance of that with Ashley Mulman Passio there to help Demi Vollering or both of them as GC leaders, whatever you want to say. But I don't know. I mean, it didn't play out that way today because I, I believe you spoke to Ashley and she's not feeling well at all. Yeah, she's had a bit of a shocker today. I think she went from fifth place to 12th she's now 13 minutes and 33 seconds down and when I spoke to her after the race she said she hadn't been feeling very well today she said she was achy all over her body so she actually said I'm going to go and do a COVID test so hopefully she's all right but definitely yeah she bled a lot of time today and yeah unfortunately wasn't there to help Demi or to you know ride for us whatever the plan was um but that would have been one of the few instances of a team having multiple riders capable of being up there. Yeah, and I guess ideally if SD works, you would have had Vollering and uh, Passio go with Van Vluten when she attacked. But then does it really make a difference in the end? I don't know. I, I still can't see anyone but Van Vluten winning the stage from that position. She's just such a strong, dominant rider that can go on these long, audacious raids that are just honestly beyond most riders, yeah. beyond every other rider, basically. Yeah, it's yeah, it's incredible. Um, and just to round off kind of the top ten, I'm not even sure if I went all the way down to top ten, but the hit the just to highlight the time gaps more than anything, really. So Mavi Garcia, uh, who had a shocker on stage four with the gravel where she got hit by her own team car um she's really like pulled it together after that and obviously this isn't the ride that she would have wanted to have but uh she's moved up two places to ninth but she's 12 minutes and six seconds down on Van Vleuten and Elise Chabet who we haven't really talked about that much yeah, in this race sneaky top 10 has yeah been sat in 10th place now for a few days and, and she's still in 10th place she hasn't, she's a non-mover um, but 10th place between 1st and 10th place there is 12 minutes and 24 seconds yeah. as you said that's a, a yawning chasm isn't it between the top riders on GC it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens tomorrow because today was the hardest stage of the race on paper and there aren't as many climbs tomorrow. Yeah, there's still there's still a decent amount of climbing tomorrow. Um, the first categorised climb um, comes after 52.5 k's. It's 2.3 kilometres long at 8.5%. So it's not... It's category 2 climb. It's not going to be a launch pad for a big... GC move um, the Ballon d'Alsace which is the next categorised climb um, that is slight, it's quite a bit longer it's 8.7 k's at 6.9% so I think that's that's the penultimate categorised climb before the Planche de Belfield so I think if anybody wants to really try anything that's where they're going to have to go yeah can we see Van Vluten going on the attack again tomorrow or will she just ride defensively and use this as a victory lap as you said off air before? <laughs> Honestly, I think based on how cooked everybody else looked at the finish uh, and how fresh she looked, 
And ba- maybe it's just her and us because they got the only ones who actually looked <laughs> <laughs> like they had any energy left. Um, I I think if you're her, like, and she, if she's feeling good, I think she'll still go on the attack. I, she's not a rider that sits there and goes, oh, well, I've got three and a half minutes, so I'll just, you know, parade around and finish and win the race. So I think we'll see her racing aggressively again. Yeah. Um, In all likelihood, though, we've got the final podium sorted out haven't we so Van Vluten Vollering and then Nuidoma yeah there's 49 seconds between uh, Nuidoma and Labu so I think Nuidoma is not going to let Labu out of her sight tomorrow she was she said in her post-race interview that she was just focusing on that third place on the podium as she was climbing today and I think she's going to be really really determined to hold on to that tomorrow so unless she really goes pop on one of the climbs um I think we have our podium ready. Yeah. I think it'll be an interesting stage, particularly that last climb to La Planche de Belfi. It's real steep up the top, and you know, it is a stage that suits Van Vloot, but hopefully it's somebody else that can be up there, that can be winning the stage. I think that'd be nice. And hopefully we see a bit of a battle for other positions. Yeah, it would be nice to see a, a different winner. We've had like, a, quite a few different winners on the stages this race, actually. Like, some of them have been predictable. But we've also had, like, Marlon Rusa, Cecil Ludwig. So another day with a perhaps surprise but deserving winner would be nice. That would be nice, yeah. Someone um, taking it to Van Vluten as well would be great. Yeah, for sure. You know what's really sad? You mentioned this before off air. Marta Cavalli not in the race anymore. It would have been so good to see her riding today and tomorrow. Yeah, it would. And I think we would have then seen... FDJ were really strong today, even without her. And Evita Music did a really good job. And just to have another teammate at the front there, I think, to be honest, even Cavalli, I think we would have seen her up there with uh, Vollerin and, and Van Vluten because she was really taking it to Van Vluten in the Giro. So, you know, I think or she would either have been riding for herself, she was been, she's been really strong in the Giro, or she would have been able to help Uschup Ludwig and Musique. So, yeah, unfortunately, she wasn't in the race, though. Tomorrow is... It's not all in the balance. I wish I could say it was. Yeah. Um... The GC is basically wrapped up, but hopefully we can see an exciting stage. I think these climbs lend themselves to that. If everyone isn't completely and utterly knackered like we are, then <laughs> then maybe we'll see some fireworks. Um, so, yeah, one stage to go. I can't believe I'm saying that in already. The meantime, in the meantime, we've timed this perfectly because we're just about to arrive to our hotel, so... Good job, us. How's that for timing? Don't forget, if you're listening to this on the Cycling Tips podcast channel, then head on over to the Freewheeling channel and subscribe for more women's cycling content. Hopefully, if you've joined us just for the Tour de France Femme, you'll stick with us with plenty more exciting racing to come this season and next season and all the seasons. Um, So, yeah, uh, that just leaves us to say... Good night. I'm trying to almost stretch this out now to the one minute we've got left to arrive to our hotel. (laughs) Um, Yeah, thanks for joining us. See you tomorrow.